night message to you. I look and um, anytime, and I, I guess I could speak for all of you, don't mean to, but I guess I could speak for all of you, that anytime we approach the end of the year, how many of you become reflective in your thoughts? Let me, let me just, maybe don't put words in your mouth, but let me just ask, you become reflective in your thoughts. And, and I've done the same. My, my typical uh, way of, of dealing with, with the year and kind of my own way is next week and, and kind of in the week after that, uh, I tend to shut down a lot. We, we, we don't have a lot going on at the office. Uh, we just, I want to spend time with my family, want to spend time with friends, and I reflect. And especially as we approach the end of 2019, looking into 2020, uh, if I asked you right now, I'm not, but if I if I asked you and I begin to pass the mic around, how would you describe this year? Be a myriad of answers. For some of you, you might would be able to say 2019 was an incredible year. God was with me. God blessed me. God touched me. Others perhaps would answer it in in a whole different manner. You 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 may say 2000. And 19 was a difficult year. It was a hard year. And maybe some of you would say, I'm kind of glad it's almost over. I want to talk to you, and, and normally I try not to polarize my audience. But tonight I want to talk to those of you who may be struggling. Some of you may be walking in some dark times. Some of you may say, you know, I just, I just if I can just get to next year, maybe things will be better. I want you to pay attention tonight to the Word of God that we bring. If you're an anxious believer, if you're going through uh, some dark times, it's far greater to turn to Romans chapter 8. And I mean, that's a beautiful uh, uh, scripture. And it, it's, a, it's probably, you've heard me say Romans. I love it. It's one of my favorite books. And Romans chapter 8 is one of those chapters that by the time you get done, you're ready to run the aisles. But I'd like to start by focusing in Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 is what happened after the flood. And so perhaps through the next little bit, and I, uh, it's a very simple sermon. It's if When I teach people, uh, especially young ministers, when I'm talking about preparing a sermon, preparing to preach, uh, when, when I'm talking to Bible college students, I always ask them, even if they're doing a fiery five, one of those sermonettes, I always ask them, Give me a one-sentence synopsis of what you're going to say tonight. Because I feel like every sermon needs to be, you need to be able to, to condense or distill that sermon down into one sentence, maybe two sentences. And tonight I could, I could distill my sermon down to one word, and, and you'll catch on pretty quickly. But I've got a simple message that when you're in the storm, I want you to realize that there is hope. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to tell you some backstories. I'm going to have to, to just set the stage. And if you will uh, allow me to, to, to have that, that privilege, stories that you know, stories in the Word of God that you've, you've read, you've taught, you know them. But I've got to just set the stage once more. Genesis chapter 7 and even into Genesis chapter 8 tells us of what happened, the flood continued 40 days on the earth the waters increased the ark is bored up on the waves and it rises high above the earth they prevail they the, the as the ark is floating on waters so high that it covers every mountaintop 
15 cubits deep, the Bible says, covered the mountains. All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and livestock and beasts, the swarming creatures, all mankind, everything on dry dry ground whose nostrils needed to breathe air died. Blotted out, the Bible says, every living thing on the face of the ground, man, animals, only Noah is left. Bible says even in, in, in verse 20, uh, I think 24 of Genesis chapter 7, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. I want you to think for just a moment of a man named Noah who heard from God. He was a man that God looked at all the earth, and the Bible says that the, uh, all of man's thoughts and, and desires were on evil continually. And it seems like God is able to pinpoint, out of all the people living on the earth, he's able to pinpoint one righteous man. He speaks to Noah. He tells Noah, I want you to build an ark. Explains exactly what to build. Explains how to build it. How many animals are going to come in. What's going to happen. It's an incredible thing. And, of course, it takes Noah decades to build this ark. We tell the story and we... uh, 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 you, you know, play it out and we talk about Noah who's building an ark and got a hammer in one hand and trying to preach to the crowd in the other and trying to warn them to go on the ark and, and, and the Bible doesn't play that out completely but my assumption I believe is, is correct that he's trying to get people in the ark trying to tell him and warn him of an impending doom and nobody seems to listen and finally when God calls it's just Noah, his wife, his three sons there wives and they come into the ark the animals come to the ark the door closes if I can read and understand my Bible correctly they come into the ark they're in the ark shut up in the ark for seven days before it starts to rain and then it begins to rain the Bible says it rains for 40 days and 40 nights and then after that the flood reaches its peak in 150 days and then if you will read more through it and you got to kind of do some forensic uh, uh, dating if you will and, and the understanding is they were in the ark for over a year because as long as it took the waters to, to rise above the mountains it took that long or longer for the water to finally go down and the land to dry and all of that to play out and my mind began to think that they were in there and they uh, are on that that, that ark, it's shut. We had two days here this week of no school. I know my children were uh, happy for it, but um, in, in, in me, at some point, cabin fever just kicks in, and you just got to get out, even if you got to you know, go out in the back 40 and just scream, whatever it takes, cabin fever set in. And my mind tells me that somewhere in a year of an ark full with animals, that you can't get out. Um, I, I know there's a lot of pictures of a deck that they could walk around, but I don't know that that's how it worked. I don't know that they went and, and sunbathed on the deck. It, it seems to me the only time they opened that window was to send a bird out. They're in there. It's dark. It's damp. It's dank. It's, it, it, it stinks. And I have to think that somewhere in the midst of that storm, I wonder if Noah ever started to lose hope? Did he ever find himself questioning God? Say, I've been here an awful long time. Maybe food supplies, he was rationing them out. 
and he has no idea how long they're going to be on there. So when you don't know how long you're going to be on it, how do you ration out food? How do you know if you've got enough to last? All you know is how much you've ate, how much you've drank, and, and you know what, how, how is it? Did Noah ever get to the place where he wonders, am I ever going to get out of this storm? We talk a lot about Eve, um, you, you know, not knowing the word of God and when the Satan came and, and, and spoke to her because God didn't tell her personally if Adam messed up somewhere. We talk a lot about Eve. Can you imagine Noah's wife? Can you imagine Noah's sons? Can you imagine Noah's uh, uh, daughter-in-laws? Did they ever start to question? Were there, was there conflict on the ark where Noah says, or Noah's wife says, why did you bring me here? And, and maybe Noah's wife was kind of a lot like Lot or uh, 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 Job's wife. Why don't we just kind of give up? Just, it's over. Did, did his sons, I, I'm just wanting to set the stage. Did they ever get to the place in the dark, damp confines of that ark? Did they ever think, will we ever, ever get out of the storm? Or in Genesis chapter 19, when the sun rose on the earth, when Lot came to Zor, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord God of heaven, and he overthrew the cities and the valleys and all the inhabitants there. Lot's wife looked back, became a pillar of salt, and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward the land of the valley, and he looks, and the smoke is rising like a furnace. And I just wonder if Abraham, as he watches the destruction of, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around it, did Abraham wonder, did Lot survive? You know, back up. Remember uh, uh, God and Abraham in a negotiating battle? If there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. If there, and I may have these numbers wrong, if there's 35 righteous people, I, I won't destroy it. It goes all the way down to, I think, five. If there's five righteous people, and there are only four, if you count Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. Does, does Abraham walk up and see the smoke and see the destruction and see the fire, and does he say, God, was it really worth it? Did you really... Uh, help them? Did you direct them? God, all I see is destruction. Or Genesis chapter 30 and verse 19. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me. I've borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. She bore a daughter, called her name Dinah. And you got Rachel on one side. And of course, you know the whole story of, of, of Jacob and, and Rachel and, and Leah and all of the, the dysfunction and the fighting going on. You got two wives. They're, they happen to be sisters. And he didn't really want to marry Leah. And he was tricked into marrying Leah. And then yet Leah is the only one that's, that's bearing sons, six sons. There's a daughter. And, and you have to look at Rachel who's sitting there and, and, and I know that in, in her barrenness and you can read it throughout the word of God in her barrenness she cries out to God and, and Leah's the only one that's being blessed she cries out to God and Leah's blessed again and you have to wonder does, does Rachel get to the point where she's ready to just throw in the towel and say I'm tired of praying I'm tired of doing anything nothing ever happens the storm, the darkness, it's too long what am I going to do? 
Exodus chapter 2 where it says during the, those many days the king of Egypt died the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery they cried out for help for, for some 400 years they've been living in some sort of bondage maybe at first it wasn't all that, that bad it was just you know we're kind of stuck here but by the end of that 430 years the taskmaster's whip has, has laid their backs bare and, and the, the, the quotas and the expectations of what they're supposed to do have reached superhuman proportions and you have to wonder somewhere in the middle of that uh, they, they, they've maybe even forgotten how to pray our first Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1 when you begin to open up first Samuel with the story of a man by the name of Elkanah who has two wives one is Hannah the other Paniah and Paniah has children Hannah does not and and every year he goes up city to worship and every year he's there and he would sacrifice and he would he, he would do all the things for his family and Hannah he he she she's barren and she wonders why and you see how in the word of God a rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her and it goes on year by year and Hannah weeps before the presence of the Lord prays and I just wonder in the middle of all of that does Hannah get to the place in her storm, in her darkness, where she says, I just want to give up. Now that's the backstory. I don't know if you were following along. I don't know if you pulled your Bible open, but I read those verses on purpose. And I read them because I wanted to tell you what the start of the story is. But today I want to be the Paul Harvey for, since we started with some old songs. I'll do an old. Uh, uh, example Paul Harvey my grandpa used to play it every day at noon and he would say let me tell you the rest of the story because I read in Genesis chapter 7 and let me just go down to verse 23 that he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens they were blotted out from the earth only Noah was left and those that were with them in the ark the waters prevailed on the earth for 50 days and I told you the story and I'm trying to put some human emotion because I want you to tap into the, the, the people in the Bible don't just see them in there, you know, in hindsight being 2020, we, we've got to not just see David standing over Goliath holding his head up that he chopped off. You need to understand what David went through before he ever got to Goliath. You don't just look at Noah and say, man, he built the ark and it's all awesome and it's, it's this beautiful uh, story and, you know, the, 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 the rainbow that comes out. You need to understand what they went through because they were men and women of like passions you and I are but I was reading and verse 1 of Genesis chapter 8 jumped out at me so much that I had to grab my little notebook and I began to write it down and then later on it came back and I said alright God you're, you're trying to tell me something and when I began to do some research and search through it the, this same wording seemed to play out every time the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days in verse 1 of chapter 8 of Genesis but God remembered Noah makes a wind to blow the waters subside 
he builds that, you know, Noah had a, a window or a hatch and he would go and survey the world around him. They had been on the ark on almost an entire year and he looks out and he sees the land is finally dry. The little dove comes back with an olive branch and still 26 days go by until they're able to walk out of that ark. I'm here today to talk to somebody that very often and maybe as we reflect back over 2019 it seems that you've been going through a storm and when you've gone through a storm it's quite easy to feel forsaken I've read other pastors stories I've got my own pastor stories I could write books the problem is you would know the stories and you would say pastors writing about one day when pastor a church of a thousand people and I've been pastoring 30 years Maybe you'll forget the stories and I can write my experiences. But I've heard people say, I think the Lord has forgotten. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that. I'm not, not asking you to, 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 to show me uh, that. But perhaps that's where you've been. I think the Lord's forgotten me. Or, or, or may, may, and, and See, here's the thing. We, we, we tend to operate on two different times of faith. I know people that will, that will, Brother Lee, I know people that will staunchly believe God can heal. But there's always a caveat, but I just don't think he's going to heal me. Again, I'm not asking you to, to, to answer me. I'm not asking, these are rhetorical questions, but have you ever got to the place where I'll absolutely pray for you, Brother Miller, but I don't even have the strength to pray for myself. I know God's going to heal you. I will pray all day long, but when it comes to me, and we can quote verses like, the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. But in the middle of quoting that, in the back of your mind, you're saying, but God has forgotten me. In your heart, you feel lonely. In your heart, you feel abandoned. You ask questions like, where is God in my situation? When will my storm end? Because that feeling of being forsaken is a very normal human emotion that all of us in this place have experienced. The psalmist asked this. I think it's Psalm chapter 10, verse 1, or at least this is one of those verses that would play this out. The psalmist said, God... Why do you stand afar off? You know, we like to, he's as close as the mention of his name. He inclines his ear. There's a lot of those verses and they're good. But when the psalmist, his back's against the wall and the storm is fighting, he, his faith is being buffeted and he asks things like, why do you hide yourself in my time of trouble? I've been through places and, and situations in my life and it was as if I wrapped my prayers and, and I, I got them all ready and I threw them into the heavens, but they hit some ceiling and just fell back at my feet. Paul confessed, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul begins to confess that there was a place in his life where he despaired and, 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 and troubles there in Asia had been so severe that Paul was contemplating giving up on his life. You say, Pastor, that's pretty dark. I understand that. But even Jesus himself, hanging on the cross, cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That feeling of desolate is nothing new to you and I because those storms come. And when the storms come, 
you forget what the sun looked like. You know, there's the old song, the sun will shine again. But when you've been in a storm, you forget that there's even a sun. But God is still on the throne. And the Bible says that God remembered Noah. Now let me just stop for a moment. I, I'm not going to give you the Greek and the Hebrew and all of the exegesis of the word. But let me just tell you that the, the Bible saying God remembered does not mean that God had also forgotten. Okay, can I just help you out? I, I don't want you to go, well, there you go, Pastor. That's exactly where I'm at. God forgot about me. Not on your life. God isn't going to forget you. In fact, God is incapable of forgetting anything. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He he knows what you go through before you even walk there. He told uh, some of them, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God is incapable of forgetting. But when it says he will remember, what it means is he's paying attention to you and he will fulfill a promise and he will act on the behalf of someone. And what it means is God steps in his heavenlies and he says, I remember the promise I gave you and now that promise is coming to pass. That's what it means when it says God remembered Noah. God knew what he was going to do. He is acting on the behalf of another. To remember, especially in the book of Genesis, implies that there was a a previous commitment made by God and now he's announcing not just the commitment but now he's announcing the fulfillment of that commitment he promised Noah if you will bring them into the ark whoever is in that ark I will save them sure it's been a year and that's a whole lot of togetherness I get to serve I know brother Lee you've served in law enforcement but I get to serve as a a chaplain And you would be surprised on Christmas Day how many calls the police get to go break up fights at Grandma's house for family dinner. You know why? Because they're together. They get impatient with one another. I I can't find any record, and maybe I'm stepping out on a a hermeneutical limb that, that's dangerous and I'm not trying to add in but but there's no record that God spoke to, to Noah in the ark not one they're drifting they're there and maybe in the ark they had experienced that fleeting fear God doesn't care for me anymore but oh what a promise Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1 and God remembered Noah and God remembered it, it's implied God remembered his wife and God remembered those three young men and their wives and God remembered every animal in that ark and God brought them out can I just tell you for just a moment that you can be absolutely sure no matter how dark your storm is no matter how long you haven't you've been cooped up no matter how long it's been that you have not seen the light just be assured God never forgets and God never forsakes but because of his promises and because of his character here's its character this is the character of God God is love if God so loved the world 
if, if, if a father who loves his son would not give his son a scorpion when he asks for bread, how much more the God of love. That, that character of God, God is love, that character also, uh, 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 where, where there's love, there is faithfulness. God's a faithful God. If I said I was going to do something and I didn't, you may say, it's kind of an old, old phrase, but you may say, man, Brandon broke faith with me. He didn't follow through. He didn't keep his, his promise. Well, God, not only is God love, but God is faithful, and he cannot deny himself, and he cannot deny his word. He's a faithful God. He doesn't change. It's immutable. He does not lie, and he's perfect, and that means he can't get any better than what he already is. He is perfection, and that also means he can't change and be any worse than he is because he's perfect, and I'm just telling you that you can depend on him no matter what your circumstances are, and no matter how you might feel, God doesn't feel that way. God doesn't change with the tides. God doesn't get up one day and down another. God doesn't look at the sun or look at the darkness, and it changes his mood. God doesn't change, and he is with you. You can depend on him and just know by this sermon he is remembering you in your time of need. So allow me to keep going. Abraham and Lot, I told you in, in, in Genesis 19, 28, that Abraham looks down toward Sodom and Gomorrah. He looks at the land. He looks and behold, the smoke of the land goes up like the smoke of the furnace. And he's looking out at all the destruction. But the very next verse, 29, says, It was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities that Lot had lived. Rachel, in Genesis chapter 30, I, I read it, I, I told you the story She sees uh, Leah And she sees all of the, the, the You know, Leah's having children Just every time she turns around And Rachel is barren But verse 22 of Genesis chapter 30 says And God remembered Rachel And God listened to her And opened up her womb And she conceived and bore a son And called him Joseph The children of Israel Exodus chapter 2 they groaned. Their cry for rescue came up to God. Verse 24 of Exodus 2, God heard their groaning and God remembered the covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and the English Standard Version that I read through says it's so concise and God knew. Sometimes in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our storms, question, does God know where I'm at? Can I just say it as simply as the English Standard Version decides to translate this, God saw the people of Israel and God know, knew. God knows you. God knows what you're going through and he remembers you. It's Hannah. You heard the story, Hannah Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1. You, you, you heard the story, and I, I told you, she's distressed. She weeps bitterly before the Lord. She vows a vow. She prays. In fact, it looked like Eli thought she was a drunken woman and tried to cast her out there for where she was. And Hannah says, no, I'm just troubled in my spirit. I'm praying. And the Bible says in verse 19, Elkanah knew Hannah's wife. The Lord remembered her. 
And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. I asked him from the Lord, I'm here today to tell you, God knows and God remembers. Nothing catches God off guard. If 2019 has been a dark year, if 2019 you've had to slog through, it felt like you had 10-pound boots on either foot and you were slogging through mud uphill both ways, just know that God knows where you are and God remembers where you are. He hasn't forgotten you. You're not off God's radar. He's not scrambling to figure out where you ended up. He knows exactly what you're going through. I could... I could spend a lot of time, and I'm not going to. I could spend a lot of time in Psalms chapter 78, which basically is a, a retelling of Israel's history and all the things that Israel's gone through. But there's this verse in Psalm 78, verse 38, and it talks about, if you, if you look right before it, it talks about how they, they weren't faithful to God. The children of Israel were not faithful to God. They, they, they were up and down. And, and even while they're eating the blessings that God has given them, when the quail is coming, they're still devising ways to sin. But 38 says, and it's of the Lord, Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger offered, did not stir up all his wrath. And then verse 39 says, He remembered they're just flesh I'm so glad that sometimes God remembers and I'm just flesh and I've made a lot of failures in my life and again it's I'm trying to put human qualities to a God that, that that's not human he's, he's God but there's moments where I'm sure God would like to just blow me off the face of the earth and give up on me and then he remembers I'm just flesh and he inclines his ear to me. Psalms chapter 98. I would look at verse 1. Psalms 98 says, So sing to the Lord a new song. He's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. And then verse 3. And he has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. Psalms 105 says he remembered his holy promise and he remembered Abraham his servant. Or Psalms 115, trust in the Lord. And they begin to sing the songs this morning, you know, at the beginning of our service. They were talking about leaning on the Lord, trusting in the Lord. It just fits perfectly because Psalms 115 says Israel, trust in the Lord. He's your hope, he's your shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He's your help. He's your shield. Those of you who fear the Lord, He's your, trust Him. He's your help and He's your shield. And then it says, verse 12, And the Lord has remembered us, and He will bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel, bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. He remembers us. Psalms 136. Is that verse in the Bible, or, or, or verses in the Bible, that chapter where it seems like every verse, I believe every verse ends, and his steadfast love endures forever, or King James, and his mercy endures forever. Every statement. State it, his mercy endures forever. State it, his mercy endures forever. But verse 23 of Psalms 136, he, it is he who remembered us in his low, in our lowest state, and his steadfast love endures forever. He's rescued us from our foes. His steadfast love endures forever. He gives us food. 
We thank the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. For Psalms 103 that I have preached several times. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Forgives our iniquities, heals our diseases, redeems our life from the pit. You can keep going. Verse 13, though, says, As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. I'm just here today on this kind of last normal Wednesday night of the year, or as Zane has said, the decade. I'm here today to tell you he remembers you. He knows where you are. And he knows the promises that he's told you. Another verse says he remembers the, those promises not of evil, but to do good to you. And as we stand tonight, I ended my sermon just a little bit early because I don't want you just to run out and take off I want you to have a moment to pray on this Wednesday night December the 18th to give you a chance to cry out to the Lord and I believe through his word he's telling you right now no matter the storm I don't care if you've been in a storm for a whole year and you've been in that dank dark wet ark and you, you're aggravated and you're frustrated and you haven't seen sun for so long and it smells and you're tired of being there, I just want you to know Genesis 8's coming. He remembers you. 